Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and a renewed sense of meaning and purpose in their efforts to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other organization or person that I may be affiliated with. Uh, folks, our, our focus today is uh, on this largely ignored and I would say unknown topic of well-being, its uh, impact on behavior change and on health outcomes. And we are uh, truly fortunate to have a guest on the show who's quite expert and accomplished in this area, Dr. Rafaela O'Day. Uh, Dr. O'Day is the Senior Manager of Evidence and Strategic Content with Johnson & Johnson Health and Wellness Solutions, which provides health and wellness solutions to support behavior change. Her primary responsibilities are assuring the application of evidence-based behavior change strategies and supporting solution development. Prior to joining uh, Johnson & Johnson Health and Wellness Solutions, Dr. O'Day worked at the University of Michigan, where she managed and led research in addiction and mental illness. She has also worked in research focused on immunology, cancer prevention and treatment, and has provided clinical uh, and assessment services to children, adolescents, adults, and couples. Dr. O'Day holds a bachelor's in human physiology with an additional focus in psychology from Michigan State University. She earned her master's in school and community psychology and her doctorate in educational psychology with a concentration in neuroscience from Wayne State University. Uh, I have to tell you, I, I heard Rafaela O'Day speak uh, now, it's probably a few months ago, and um, I was really riveted by um, her expose on this topic of well-being, which quite honestly, up until then, I didn't have a very, very good handle on. And she really opened up a whole new world for me in this area. And I think it's uh, critically important to creating a new healthcare. And I think it has a, a major role in healthcare. And I, I, I'm so excited to explore this topic further and in some depth with uh, Dr. O'Day and to share that with you all. So, so Rafaela, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate the conversation we're about to have. Oh, I, me too. I'm, I'm, I've been really thinking about it, as, as you know, and looking forward to it. Uh, and thank you for making the time because I know you're super busy. Uh, so before we get into some more details about, you know, why it's important and how it fits into healthcare and even the components as you've broken it down of well-being, which I really, really loved, um, could you just at a high level kind of reintroduce me um, and the listeners to what is well-being and, and what does it mean and, and how is it different than what we might think of as just wellness? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so we really think about well-being as a subjective experience um, that we are able to talk about from the perspective of how we are feeling um, within the context of potentially uh, psychological things like the amount of positive or negative emotions that we're experiencing um, amongst a variety of other factors. And so it's really about this ex subjective experience around how we perceive our life to be going um, around some important parameters. Um, when I think about its difference in comparison to wellness, um, I think about wellness as being something that usually is anchored more in sort of this idea of whether or not I am physically healthy. Um, whether or not I have potential risk factors associated with maybe more of a disease state um, versus sort of this idea that there is this, like I said, subjective experience that I have about the way that I perceive my life is going um, around certain factors that are important to me. Now, now where, Rafaela, where did this well-being concept come from? Did did uh, you all at J&J and in your division uh, come up with it, or did did it, is there a literature on it, and are you building on the literature, and and how are you, um, you know, how are you contributing to the understanding of well being? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, certainly, well being is a concept that has been um, researched by by quite a few uh, people. Um, Ed Diener, for instance, is an individual who oftentimes is recognized for the great contributions. Um, positive psychology has played a big role in this space as well. Um, and, you know, there are a variety of different um, perspectives, obviously, that have helped to contribute to the way that we think about well-being. But it's not a concept that, that 
we have created um, within mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson Health and Wellness Solutions. It is one where we have really looked at the literature to help guide our um, perspective and our thinking um, and uh, certainly focus through that lens. And I remember when uh, I was listening to you speak uh, about it, I was taking copious and furious notes, particularly when you were breaking it down into the components. And it's again, it's been a, a while since I heard you speak. And I, I was really excited about, you know, the way you broke it down. And I think that that to me, as I recall, that was a, sort of a contribution your group was making to this, because um, I'm not sure that it actually was so well defined. Do, would it be OK if you shared that and, and reminded me what, what those kind of components of well-being were? Sure, absolutely. So a lot of the work that we were doing to try to really hone in on this idea of well-being was first to create an understanding and a definition like we just talked about, right? So we actually also talked about, you know, how is it different from things like wellness? Um, how do we help people to understand it as a construct um, that is important for us to think about? Um, the other thing that we, of course, did was to really understand the current literature. And like I said, you know, there's been quite a bit of work that has been done by key leaders in this space, of which we, of course, took a look at and, and um, really helped to build the foundation um, of how we think about this concept. And so from that perspective, we really spent quite a bit of time in the empirical literature to understand how um, individuals are thinking about these and what components and factors are important contributors that we may be able to think about um, modifying specifically, right? So there, what we understand about well-being is there are multiple factors that contribute to it. Um, some are quite honestly uh, maybe more easily modifiable than others. So things like uh, socioeconomic status, for instance, or security and safety are elements that we understand to be really important contributors to well-being, um, but maybe also areas that are more difficult um, to consider modifying. And so we looked at this literature not only from the standpoint of identifying the domains that we think are important, but also from the standpoint of what could we potentially, you know, think about with regards to helping to modify. And so through that literature search, we identified what we consider to be important domains that we um, think are important to focus on from the standpoint of helping to really support people in their well-being. And those um, are really around five key areas. And I'll kind of list them just to provide context. One is this idea of vitality or really having kind of the energy um, to be able to do the things and to manage life uh, daily. The other area really is around our emotions, our emotional state. So feeling, um, you know, positive or, or having more positive than maybe negative um, experience throughout our day. The third area is really this idea of having strong relationships and feeling like I have a sense of belonging. And so we think about that as like a social connection or a social component that we understand to be important. The next is this idea of having meaning or purpose in our lives, right? We have a reason for why we're living our life and we have certain goals and values that we're trying to achieve throughout the context of whatever that life is that we're trying to, um, you know, live. And then the, the fifth area that we really kind of talk about um, and that we understand to be important is this idea of experiencing growth as a human being. So that could be anything from experiencing mastery or um, having environments where I get to learn new things or have creative outlets. So that's this whole area of really as a human being experiencing opportunities where I feel like I'm able to grow as a person within the context of my life. So that's kind of across the board, those areas where we really feel like um, when they are based in the empirical evidence that we looked at, um, but there are also areas, like I said, that that are um, potentially modifiable um, mm -hmm. more directly as we think about the way that we define and think about well-being. 
That that's really great, and thank you for reminding me of those domains. I I written them down again. I, they're almost kind of like a checklist for life. I mean, um, I, I imagine if if others who are listening to this are like me, uh, you're you're thinking, you know, going through your mind, uh, how am I doing on these? And I want to, I'm going to definitely, I want to come back to that and 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 you know, discuss each one of those a little bit more in terms of their importance, relative importance. Um, you said they're modifiable, so. Uh, how should we be thinking about them? What could we be doing? But, but before we jump into that, I, I do want to ask the question. Sort of step back for a moment. Now that you know you you reminded me and uh, about what well being is and the, and and the way you define the domains. So the question I would have is why is this important? Um, what is the impact uh, you know well being has on? my life, my health, and again, in terms of creating a new healthcare, how does this fit in, in your mind and, and in your group's mind, how does this fit into the larger map of healthcare in general? Uh, what's its relationship, for example, for instance, you, you mentioned chronic disease before, what's its relationship to chronic disease? What's the relationship to total cost of care, which is such a, a tremendously important issue today in healthcare? Um, I'm just kind of wondering how you how you fit this in, in in terms of the larger picture of healthcare. Yeah, and it's it's such a great question. Um, so I'll answer that in a couple of different ways because we have a couple of different ways that we think about it, right? So, one, when we started to do um, the work around really the identification and looking into the literature, we we asked ourselves that question, right? So, what's important about um, well-being? And what we understand from the literature, as I'm sure many people who have been in this space, um, ha, you know, understand, is that um, you know, high levels of well-being are also associated with better health. Um, and that and that literature uh, is fairly well established, certainly. And the opposite is also true is that, that, you know, lower well-being also comes oftentimes with um, more challenges associated with health. And so there seems to be an association there, um, some kind of a, you know, um, relationship, the mechanisms of which, quite honestly, nobody really truly fully understands. Um, the way that we sort of think about it is, and we spent some time trying to figure out uh, how within the context of the way that we think about health behavior change, um, well-being may play a role. And so to take a step back, um, we actually think about well-being as a global determinant of health behavior. And the way that we think about that is we believe that you know, behavior, if we think about behavior change as being a combination of capability, opportunity, and motivation. So those are kind of the three core areas that need to kind of come together in order for behavior change to happen. I think what's important to recognize is that, you know, these are obviously high-level constructs. If you think about capability, opportunity, motivation, um, within each of those categories, there's certainly a lot of nuance to that. But it's an easy equation for us to sort of start to think about, right? So it's when those three components really come together that behavior change generally tends to happen. But what's interesting about those three constructs is that they are, you know, they oscillate, they vary throughout the day and by person. So I may be really motivated to go work out in the morning, but maybe, you know, when I come home at the end of the day, I'm tired and I don't, I may not have the motivation to do that, right? And you can think of examples of each of these components varying throughout the day, um, whether that's, you know, I may not have the opportunity, I may not have time, I may not have access to a gym, I may not be able to, you know, it may be raining outside, or I may not know how to do a certain exercise or activity, right? So these are the kinds of things that we think about from the standpoint of behavior change more globally. Where we really think about well-being as a determinant is through this idea that well-being actually enhances motivation. Hmm. So it actually influences the, the, our motivation to lead to behavior change, right? So it's basically um, influencing motivation directly as one component of then changing hmm behavior or health behavior specifically. That's really helpful. So, and, and I think that's, I'm going to continue your thought. Um, the, cause I'm trying to piece this together as I'm, I'm listening to you and trying to picture it. It, it seems to me that, uh, and we know actually that 
currently, given the prevalence of chronic disease, and it's a growing prevalence, so in, in not too long ago, uh, acute illness and disease and trauma were the were highly prevalent, and now uh, uh, chronic disease and chronic disease management has overtaken that, and so it's soon to become, you know, seventy percent of all illness and all episodes of care will revolve around chronic disease. That's both nationally here in the U.S. as well as globally, and the key uh, to chronic disease is actually managing it and, uh, you know, preventing it from getting worse and, and optimizing. And, and the key to that is all about behavior. So there, there are no magic bullets and whether it's simple, you know, simply just Mm -hmm. taking a medication, uh, to control the illness you're dealing with, the chronic illness, or following up with, uh, you know, your physicians or, uh, you know, just staying healthy in general, that all requires that pivotal, key factor, which is your behavior. And so if what you're saying is that, that Mm -hmm. well-being is this global determinant of, of motivation and which is the key to behavior, then in fact, what you're saying, this really is the key, you know, kind of almost kind of the root cause to um, chronic disease management. I, and I don't want to overstate it, but that's, that's how I'm sort of putting the picture together. And I want you to, is that, am I close to your understanding or am I, am I off a bit? No, I think, so I think it's a, for us, it's a, you know, this is how we're thinking about it. There's opportunity for us to really learn more about how well-being functions within the context um, of what we're seeing. It's that, it, you know, the linkages, like we talked about, you know, well-being, we believe well-being is inextricably linked with health. Right. Um, but again, the mechanisms are things that are right. an opportunity for us to really learn about. Um, but that being said, you know, the way that we're thinking about it is that, you know, we talked a little bit about wellness and well-being at the beginning. Um, we actually think well-being is an opportunity across the care continuum. So when you think about that chronic condition individual, right, mm-hmm. um, well-being is also something that may be particularly valuable for that individual to augment the care that they're receiving specifically for the condition. Um, and if it works through the model in the way that we hypothesize, it's in service of amplifying or supporting their motivation for change. Um, and really, in many ways, supporting you know um, the energy uh, that it takes to really maintain focus, discipline, and desire for change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I, I think when I, as I hear you speak, I'm, I'm beginning to realize that it's, it's not that simple as a linear or even one mechanism. That there's probably multiple ways that that well-being influences one's health. It, it also seems to me, as I'm looking at this list, that you, the domains, the five domains you were, you were mentioning. I mean, this is really also, you know, I'm thinking about my own life. I mean. If I have vitality, vitality and energy and emotional uh, resilience and, and feeling good about relationships and I'm feeling purposeful, um, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling like I have the opportunity to grow. I mean, that's that's a that's a recipe for really being a high performing individual across the board, uh, whether I have illness or not. In fact, it probably would would help to keep me healthy and, and away from the illness zone. Mm-hmm. So this is a, I mean, this is sort of a recipe for life, even I would say even beyond, um, you know, thinking about it from the chronic disease. Have you, have you, I mean, you, must, you, you guys must talk about that and explore that as well. Yeah. So we definitely believe that well-being is an opportunity across the continuum. This is not, you know, only for the well, and this is not, you know, specifically for those who may be struggling with a condition. We really believe that it's a, it's an, it's an opportunity for everybody across the care continuum, right? So that's, I think, an important um, parameter. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think it's really this idea of thinking about having the physical, mental, emotional um, energy, to be able to facilitate the change that we may be trying to make, particularly or maintaining, quite honestly, <laughs> the behaviors right. that we may already be doing. Um, but we recognize, of course, that as our lives change and as we you know, experience the day to day, 
you know, we have to maintain our desire to do the things either that we're already doing that are the, the behaviors that keep us healthy um, or potentially change those things um, that we need to change as a result of maybe some either health risks or, or potentially, you know, more significant challenges. You know, as I'm thinking about this, I have a question for you, but to me, it seems one application of this and one implication is in the employer uh, market. Um, I've been interviewing um, a number of experts recently who are uh, in the employer space and looking at um, interventions um, that um, reduce uh, the costs of care for employees as well as improve outcomes of, of health. And um, this seems like something that would be uh, employers might be interested in uh, for a number of reasons. One, uh, as you were pointing out, the the issue of motiv- having motivation for behavior change to take care of whatever illness or chronic disease or just in terms of wellness, but but also in terms of just performance and maintaining high performance and productivity. Mm-hmm. And is that is that an implication of this work as well? Yes. I mean, I definitely think, again, um, you know, we think about well-being as being within the context of human functioning and human life, um, not necessarily just within the context of disease and, and health. Although oftentimes, of course, we're, we're focused on health behaviors. But again, if you think about it within the context of a continuum, rather than really focusing only on those individuals who may already be struggling, I think we get more into this idea of human performance and really unleashing, you know, people p- people's potential. Um, so that they can thrive. Um, the intent really is to provide opportunities for people to really be supported in areas that help them live the best life that they can and to feel as, you know, as well as they can. Um, and we believe, of course, that these elements that we've talked about are key components of helping them to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, evidence or is there any evidence in the literature uh, about the, um, and I apologize for using this, but but the return on investment, is there any you know, measurement of, yes, if you increase well-being, you'll see an increase in health or health outcomes, a decrease in total cost of care? I'm just curious about that, if that research has been done. I'm just sort of thinking through all the work that we looked at. Um, I I think there are some things that have looked at um, productivity and elements like that. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I can quote any of those elements. Um, But I do I do believe there is some literature uh, in that area. Now, um, what you know, as I'm thinking about these areas and. Uh, it, it, it's one thing, and, and I, I think I struggled this when I, with this when I heard you speak, and, and, and after your talk, and I, you know, heading home, and, and uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, how do I? So I've got this list, and it seems like it makes sense, and it's evidence based, and I, I trust you in that, and um, you know, you and your team. But now, what, is, what can I do about that? I mean, are, are there um, ways that I can think about, you know, increasing my vitality and energy and emotional resilience and all that sort of stuff. Is there, is there, uh, I, I assume that's what you all have been working on, but is there any, any, um, anything that, uh, w- you know, we could do in the meantime to, you know, enhance our own well-being or the well-being of those, uh, around us? Sure. Um, well, we certainly spend a lot of time thinking about all of the elements that go into each of the five areas. And I probably, you know, won't <laughs> go through all of the pieces because um, you can imagine there is um, there are some things to, you know, that underneath each of those components that are important for us to, ki- to consider. But I think there's a couple of things that, um, you know, I would sort of highlight uh, under vitality when we think about this idea of managing energy throughout the day and really bringing kind of this um, idea of physical energy to the table, particularly, um, you know, some areas that we can think about are really thinking about physical activity. Are we moving throughout the day? Really? Are we, you know, are we thinking about um, anything from getting kind of physical activity that we understand to be important also for our health, but also this idea that we're getting up and moving throughout the day, right? We may be um, standing up every so often to take a walk, thinking about walking meetings, those kinds of things, right? Um, so physical activity can encompass a whole host of different things um, that can really help to boost our our mood and the way that we're feeling, um, 
right? Independent of, of even the, the health impact that that might have, depending on how much of it we do, obviously. Um, then the, the second component really is this, this concept that we are very well aware of, which is sleep. What is the quantity and quality of sleep that we're getting? Um, you know, are we really giving our bodies the chance to truly rest and recover? Um, when we need it most, um, we know, of course, in a, in a, in an always on technology, um, environment, you know, that is becoming an area where we understand the implications of that. Right. Um, and we also understand that it's important for us to be able to disconnect from some of that and, and to really also, uh, get some sleep. The other thing that we, we oftentimes will talk about is, you know, what is the kind of fuel that we're putting into our system through nutritious diets and those kinds of things. So those are probably not um, surprising elements, uh, but it's also within the context of well-being. We may think about them, mm-hmm. you know, really through a different lens. Um, so like I said, within physical activity, you might, it might be more about getting mm-hmm. movement throughout your day, really, and thinking about how often, you know, how much time are we spending sitting, for instance. Mm-hmm. We all know that sedentary lifestyle, for instance, is a independent, you know, contributor to some, some, uh, health factors within, you know, within the emotional space. And again, I I won't go through all of them. Um, Mm -hmm. but within the emotional space, it's really about, you know, how are we managing stress? Do we, do we understand the kind of stress that we're experiencing? Right. And how are we prepared, um, to handle it? Um, that includes things like resilience. I know we spend a lot of time talking about you know, are we as resilient as we can? We are there skills that we can learn? Um, and I think the answer to that is yes. How are we managing when our mood is not great? Because that happens, right? <laughs> These are, we're all human beings and, and there are things that, um, you know, we experience that may not always leave us feeling the best. Um, so that's sort of within the space of emotions. And you can imagine, you know, mindfulness and gratitude and those kinds of things. Um, social, you know, it's really about, are we tapping into our social support networks? Are we connecting, um, you know, meaningfully with the people around us, with loved ones, with family, with friends, with the community, etc.? cetera? Um, within the context of, of purpose, it's really about, you know, have we spent time thinking about, you know, I hate to say it, but why are we here? <laughs> you know, what is, what is the mark we want to live, uh, leave? Right. Within yeah. the context of the life that we've lived. Um, so those are important sort of maybe in some cases thought processes. Sometimes they're conversations. Right. So they manifest themselves differently for, for everybody. And then kind of within um, and I said I wouldn't go through all of them, but I find myself doing that anyway. <laughs> within the last area, probably, you know, do we have opportunities for creative outlets and, and do we feel like we're able to develop skills? And, and I think we see that certainly within the context of, for instance, our work environments, right? Um, mm-hmm. do we, do we get opportunities to uh, branch out and do something exciting and new? And, and I know that for me, and I'll just speak for myself when those opportunities present themselves, it makes me feel invigorated. Um, and, and, you know, it changes my perspective sometimes. And so I think those are all kind of important things. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that you did go through them again in a little bit more detail and flesh them out. That was really helpful. Now you call them domains. And so I'm just making the assumption that you can measure them in individuals. So, you know, you can measure Zeb Neuwirth's, um, uh, how, how, how he's measuring up on these five domains of well-being. Mm -hmm. Do do you have a, a, a metricing for that? Yeah. So we spend a lot of time thinking about you know, not only um, the way that we think about the constructs, the way that we think about, um, you know, how we develop uh, solutions and interventions, but also importantly, how we then measure the impact of those things. And so obviously recognizing and understanding how not only these components and parameters move, but how, you know, something global like well-being potentially is impacted by them is an important parameter. So we think about that a lot. Um, we spend a lot of time also thinking about the fact that well-being, um, you know, has some interesting things about it. Uh, just like what we talked about with behavior change, well-being tends to, you know, we can globally measure it. We can sort of think about it from the standpoint of reflection. Um, so like, you know, how has your well-being been over a period of time where you're really asking people to sort of globally think about this idea? Um, but there are certainly things throughout our day and our lives that can potentially also impact kind of our immediate sense of well-being. So there's sort of this interesting um, thing that's happening 
um, as we're thinking about these constructs, which is there is this, um, hmm. you know, global idea mm-hmm. uh, that we can ask people about. But then there's also this, um, you know, recognition that there, there, there could have been an event mm-hmm. in a person's day or mm-hmm. even within the context of a few, mm-hmm. you know, months or weeks that can impact um, hmm. their sense of well-being. So we're thinking through all of those elements from the standpoint of, you know, what is the frequency, what kinds of measurements do we want to be utilizing to really get a good understanding, um, not only of potentially of the global elements, but also the things that we know can maybe impact the day in, day out. That's really, that's a really cool conceptual kind of picture. The idea that this is not a static thing. And so just like other biometrics uh, in our physiology, these things are in flux. They're in constant movement. It's, um, I, I'm just, you know, kind of imagining the implications of, of all that. Um, and like you say, things happen and these things change and they respond. And um, it's, it's really, you know, uh, it's kind of a heady concept. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're working on it. <laughs> um, so um, I guess I, you know, now, I guess the question I want to ask you about this is where do you see this work going um, in terms of applying it and uh, its its impact on, you know, uh, health and healthcare? And then you said behavior change. Is this, do you see in the next three to five years that creating the awareness of of well-being and deploying it in some way can could actually have an impact on on how we think about health and healthcare and 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 how we deploy health and healthcare. It's a great question. Um, I certainly think that this is a a topic that is important for us to think about, and I think you know people have thought about it. It's not. I'm not suggesting they haven't. Right. Um, right. I think in healthcare, we uh, oftentimes, um, and I'll sort of say we, um, focus on disease as kind of the primary context. Uh, and I think that's really important, right? Because we have a job to do. We're, we're there to help people improve their health. Um, but I think there is this, this other piece to it, right? Which is the recognition that there are um, additional elements that are, by the way, not completely separate, right? So when we think about even the behaviors that I just talked about within the domains, you can see that some of those behaviors actually also, um, you know, could potentially impact health. So physical activity, sleep, those kinds of things, right? Um, and so, again, there is this linkage and, and that, you know, we understand there is a, an overlap to some extent. But it's a little bit of a different focus to bring in these other context elements that we understand to be important and may not always be a primary focus um, for healthcare and, and healthcare delivery, or they're not necessarily being thought of um, maybe as holistically mm-hmm. uh, as they could be, right? So it's mm-hmm. this idea of how do we potentially overlay um, these constructs onto or augment mm-hmm. the care that we're delivering with also supporting people in these meaningful ways when we think about the context of their lives, mm-hmm. not just the context of their, um, you know, their, their disease, if you will, mm-hmm. or their, you know, their, their risk. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's a, that's an important piece of this, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of reminded of the, for instance, the social, so-called social determinants of health, um, which, you know, as we now know, determine the vast majority of the outcomes of our health. And what we think of as traditional health or healthcare, that, that clinical part is actually a very, very, contributes only about 10 or 15% uh, to our health. It's it's really these other issues. And so now as you're talking about well-being, I'm sort of putting it in that category of, you know, we haven't thought about this. And, and you're right, the positive psychology movement has been around for quite some time, uh, must be a couple of decades, if not more. And um, it's it's a huge body of, of research and, and literature. And, um, and yet it, it seems like it's still quite distanced from health care and uh, what we most of us think of as health. And yet 
you know, when we start, I think when we start looking at the at the actual numbers and and the impact, this seems like it it it's an opportunity that we just have not really leveraged. Um, and uh, you know, and and again, where we tend to you know think about health and healthcare from a disease perspective and a a traditional medical clinical perspective, which is is quite honestly at this point just very very limited. Uh, in terms of its uh, thinking and as well as in terms of its impact and and unfortunately has led to a healthcare system where we just have tremendous costs that you know could have been prevented and as well as the morbidity and mortality that could have been prevented so I, I think I think you're you're onto something that to me at least has a tremendous potential and and I think that as the payment system is changing in this country and our our thinking about healthcare and access to healthcare. Um, I, I think there's, I think this, you know, I think it's, um, you know, this is an idea of this well-being whose time uh, may have come or may be coming very, very soon. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would agree. I think the other thing is, um, as we think about the way that we, you know, support individuals through this, we've, we've done quite a bit of thinking around, you know, how do you, how do you structure um, the way that you think about, you know, building solutions and helping people make changes, recognizing that there are, you know, so many individual differences uh, in the way that we all think about and change um, behavior. And so, you know, we, we have spent quite a bit of time thinking about also how do we need to structure interventions to make sure that they have the greatest chance of being um, impactful and supportive of individuals, recognizing that not, you know, not everybody is the same, um, that, that every person has probably some little difference uh, in the way that they either perceive things or think about things, um, and that we need to be able to have interventions and support tools that really can be um, personalized mm-hmm. um, and potentially even you know, optimized over time mm-hmm. uh, to really drive the most effective and efficient opportunity for support and change. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't mind, I, I want to switch gears a little bit for a moment. And in our correspondences, um, you you mentioned a little bit about your background. And if it's okay with you, I'd, I'd like to just kind of raise that. Is that okay with you? If we sure, of course. <laughs> so you you uh, you were born in a different country, and you came to the United States uh, when you were about ten. And so, you know, you, you, you left home and you left your friends and community and, and your, your native language and moved to a foreign country. And, and so that, that was one part of your life. And then, and then as I recall, uh, you, you then left home to pursue uh, a professional ballet dancing. And, you know, again, a, a, another major shift and, and, and change in your life. And then uh, I know I'm fast forwarding a bit, but you you then had you know gave up uh, you know uh, this professional career in ballet dancing to really pursue your academics and and your career in in psychology and um, and so there just seems to me as I read about you and and you know thought about your story you know kind of very very significant I mean profound big changes of having to leave and then adjust. And, um, and I, I guess the question I have is, you know, what impact, and there may be other things you could share with us too, and I, but what impact do you think that your own life and your own upbringing and these, you know, really seismic shifts, you know, going back to your childhood and throughout your adolescence, what impact did you think that had on your thinking about well-being and behavior change and even your desire to jump into this work. I, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I feel like you kind of took me back <laughs> through my own um, <laughs> through my own uh, life there for a moment. Um, I, I, I'm not going to charge for this session, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I have spent some time, and I think part probably mostly when people ask me questions like this, um, do you have a chance to even sort of reflect back on, you know, how did all of that lead me to this? Um, and it's, it's sort of interesting. I don't know that I have a perfect answer, um, all the time, but I will say that, you know, I have been fortunate to have had many different experiences that I feel like have challenged not only me, my family, you know, um, 
but just to have challenged my thinking uh, in ways that I think experiences only experiences like that maybe can. Um, and I'm that's my own personal bias on these things. I'm sure there's lots of things that can happen in life that you know challenge our experiences and our thoughts. Um, I think moving moving to a different country uh, early in life. Um, you know, I saw it as a huge opportunity and probably because it was framed that way um, by my parents uh, as part of their, you know, conversation with us to maybe even convince us. Um, but, you know, it really was. Um, there were opportunities to learn a new culture. So it was, it was really, you know, moving into a brand new environment, leaving all those things behind. But it was, in my perspective, the way that I viewed it um, was opportunity, which is which is great. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it was the way that, you know, obviously my parents raised me that I have to some extent had a really positive outlook on, on things. And I've always walked into things, you know, being open to Hmm. new experiences. And that served me, I think really, really well, because when you come into a situation like that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. I didn't speak the language. Um, there was a lot of, as you can imagine, you know, things that were not necessarily fun by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a really solid kind of family relationship. Um, you know, I felt it was an opportunity for growth. Um, and I had a really good support system so that if, you know, things were not going well, um, I felt like I had people to reach out to. Fast forwarding, when I think about my dance career, you know, that really comes down to, um, gosh, the best word that I can come up with is grit. Uh, it, it really, for me was a, you know, I was, I love dancing. I still do. Uh, it is one of those things that, you know, I was truly, it was my passion. Everything about it was what I love, um, and loved. And, but with that also comes, comes challenges. Um, but it was really a time where I learned about, performance. And I learned about kind of what it took for me as an individual to unleash what I thought was the best performance that I could bring to the table. Right. And, and quite honestly, it was a lot of really hard work, but that also being said, there was a lot of, um, internal growth, right. For me as a person to sort of say, what does it take to really excel at something and, and to, um, bring it to a pinnacle where, you know, you're wanting to be, at your peak performance for, for that period of time. Now, fast forward to school, it was sort of an interesting thing because I think that as I started to go into first, you know, physiology and wanted to understand more about the human body and the way that we as human beings function, which is really kind of my fascination, I think, is what drove me in that direction. It quickly actually changed to kind of this idea of, well, how do our thoughts and feelings really contribute to those things? And I think, you know, I think part of my history really dictated that because I actually had quite a few emotions when I was going through these things, right? So whether it was the transition to, um, you know, to the United States at a young age or while I was dancing and had left home, you know, I left home when I was 13, so I missed my parents a lot. And so there was sort of, you know, you can imagine all kinds of things. They, there was this, desire to really truly understand how my feelings and emotions and and the way that people perceive and experience life contribute to how we function physiologically. So that's sort of the initial starting phase of like this idea that, you know, how do we think about systems interacting together? This idea that there is this psychological system that is impacting our physiology. Mm. And it started to make me think sort of about this idea of like interconnection and holistic systems and those kinds of things. And quite honestly, it was at a time, and maybe I'm going to age myself a little bit, where not that much of of that kind of thinking was going on yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really very kind of siloed in the way that, you know, today, of course, this is not a new concept at all. Um, But at the time, you know, it was still an academic environment where people sort of had their, what I'm going to call kind of silos in the way that they were thinking. Um, and so I kind of became fascinated with this idea of how do you bring what I'm going to now call where I am today, this idea of health, right? The absence of disease and managing conditions and those kinds of things and recognize that there's this other component that's going on that we oftentimes, you know, 
don't necessarily consider, or we hadn't, I would say today, again, different time, that really is the way that we perceive the world, the way that we experience Mm -hmm. emotions, the way that we manage the stresses of our lives, and the fact Mm -hmm. that those things can contribute ultimately to the way that we show up from a health perspective. Yeah. So that's a very long, long answer to your question, Uh, but I think that's sort of how I think about how I got here. Wow, that was really... No, thank you so much for thank you so much for for sharing that and and you know walking us through that and thinking through that and and feeling through that. You know, I, I have to say a couple couple of thoughts. One is, I, I think you're spot on. I you know I I practiced internal medicine for many many years in in different locations and with different populations and and um, you know from really poor people uh, in the inner city to really wealthy people and you know. Uh, and so I got to see people from very, very different walks of life. And the challenge I found in practicing was, uh, was exactly what you just said, which was that, um, there was no time and there was no really conceptual frame for having the kind of conversation and thinking you, you, you just described, which is the core of your work and that, that awareness recognition, um, you know, make clarification and then connection uh, between this other life and and our physical life. And, you know, you have to sort of jump right into what's your blood pressure and your temperature and, you know, physical pains, and then you get into conditions and, you know, and lab tests. And there's very little room in 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 uh, healthcare today. And, ha- and that's been true for, for, you know, the last, I would say, 20 years at least, you know, to have this other, um, you know, assay, if you will, for lack of a better word. And I think we've lost so much in, 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 because it hasn't been embedded and it's not because it it hasn't been around because it has been around. Um, it's just, we've lost it. And maybe we had some of it before we got so technologic and so focused on disease, but for sure it's, it's just, and I, and I think as a, as a consequence of that, we're really in this cycle of, um, of because of ignoring that part, we're in the cycle now where we've really almost um, condemned ourselves to the disease uh, space. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's led to poorer outcomes of care. I think it's led to the sort of dehumanization of the uh, provider-patient relationship. Uh, I think it's led to, you know, us, uh, you know, spending more money than we have to and, and not getting the outcomes that we desire. It's, it's, um, it's almost kind of a, um, you know, again, it's this sort of Cartesian duality and um, it's almost kind of decontextualizing, dehumanizing who we are and our understanding of healthcare and health. And so, um, you know, I got all of that from listening to you. So, um, I mean, you really reminded me of, of how critical this is not, you know, fringe, this is really core to who we are. And if we're interested in healthcare and health, we need to build this uh, back into our uh, healthcare system in some way. Um, so I uh, thank you for, for you definitely catalyzed a lot of that thinking for me and reminded me of that in a big, big way. The, the other thing I do want to say is also, you know, it's interesting about your story is that, and now I've interviewed dozens and dozens of people at this point um, over the past year. And, um, and and these are people who are leaders and innovators and reframers and people who are really creating uh, a new healthcare. And the one, one commonality, there are, there are a few commonalities, but one commonality, which you, you manifest and express to me is that the work you're doing is not, you know, for just for, you know, having a job, it's not for advancing a career alone. It really is. um, And I'm curious as to your, to your thinking about this, but to me, the commonality I see is that, and, and, and what I heard you say is this is answering the work you're doing and what you're trying to achieve is really answering an existential question for you. It is in some sense, an existential imperative for you. So it's coming from a very, very deep place, really from, you know, who you are and, and what you are and what you want to be in the world and what you need to, to have answered in this world. And I, I've seen that time and time again, and I could, I could rattle off the people I've spoken to and, and how what they're doing is really an existential imperative and really resolving an existential issue or question. And so I'm curious, is that, does that resonate with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually 
sitting here <laughs> nodding my my head. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting that you say that. Um, and I've reflected on this a few times because there are things you find yourself, you know, when you do work like this, um, there are times within the context of any given work, career, you name it, right? Where you start to feel um, a fire mm -hmm. in your gut <laughs> um, and you get really excited or passionate about something. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I feel like this is kind of, this exudes that for me. Um, when when I get to do this kind of work, it, it fulfills a part of me that I think... Um, is incredibly important and it, and it likens, you know, um, it likens to the days where, where I was dancing quite honestly. Um, and I know that seems like maybe a, an odd connection, um, makes sense to me. So I guess I, <laughs> I'll share it, but, um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, when I reflect back on why I chose psychology, um, as, uh, a way to really spend time understanding human behavior. It was because I wanted to understand human beings. Um, I, I find human beings fascinating and wonderful and important. And, you know, I think that there is, um, something really incredible about people. And I also think that we have an opportunity to help people who may be experiencing things that are less than ideal, um, in really meaningful ways. And so I got into psychology because I wanted to help people. Um, I wanted to be a part of maybe helping them to have just a, you know, even if it's a moment or a day or hopefully more, um, where their life feels better. Um, whatever that looks like for the individual. Uh, and so that's why I got into psychology. It's why I got into, you know, I did some marital work for a while because I also felt really strongly that relationships, mm -hmm. you know, there are huge opportunities to really build strong relationships and to support people in what sometimes is, you know, a chat is challenging. Um, and so to me, it's really getting back to the core of supporting individuals and helping people and recognizing that within the context of being a person, there are all these things that are going on. Um, and, that when we look at it through a specific lens, we may see, you know, like I said before, a physiological thing, um, albeit a risk factor or a value or a disease. Mm -hmm. And when we think about it through the lens of even psychology, right, we may be looking for a diagnosis or those kinds of things. And I think um, I gravitate, you know, to understanding, of course, you know, the importance of all of those things. So I'm not diminishing them. They're incredibly important and we have a job to do to help those individuals. But I think there's a part of me that um, really wants to also focus on people as people mm -hmm. and the things that matter when people, you know, leave our offices um, is how they're living their lives. Then um, that's the day in, day out, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, it's also the, the things that people ultimately think is important to them. Mm -hmm. um, that they want to be able to achieve and that they, you know, have, have decided is important to them to live for. Mm -hmm. So that's what gets me excited is, is if I can just help a person a little bit more. Um, and if through the work that we're doing here, we can help people just a little bit more, um, feel a sense of well being and have that contribute to their health, um, and support their health, then, I feel like we've done something really fantastic. Yeah. What are you, what are you most proud of in the work that you've done over the past, you know, two, three, four years? Oh gosh. Um, I think it's, I think, honestly, I think it's having, having the opportunity to explore these kinds of big, big ideas. Right. Um, and I don't know that it's, you know, I'm personally proud of that, but it's not a me thing. Um, I, I feel really fortunate to be in an environment where there is an opportunity to explore these ideas and not only explore them, but to bring them to life in really meaningful ways um, for individuals. And so what I'm most proud of is, like I said before, it's for every hopefully person that we've been able to touch um, in a meaningful way where we've been able to help them live a healthier and happier life. Um, 
I think that's at the end of the day, what, what I'm most proud of. And, and do you get to see that? Do you get to see who you help? You know, sometimes you do. Um, and sometimes you don't, I think it depends. So I've, I've had the good fortune of having conversations with individuals where you may see, um, let's say the start <laughs> of what's, you know, of what may be supporting them. I've had also the opportunity, um, through the work that we've done to have people who've provided, you know, information and insight into how, um, they've experienced things that, um, you know, I may have contributed to, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I think what's interesting about the work that we do sometimes is that, you know, you may not always, I mean, I think, I, I wonder if this is also true, you know, if I think about it more through the lens of the kind of work that you do. So I guess it's partially also a question back to you, but, um, you know, sometimes I don't think you always see the immediate impact of the work that you do, but you hope that you're planting seeds that eventually turn into, you know, flowers and trees. Um, and so I think, you know, I had somebody a long time ago say to me something really profound, which I really kind of anchor my work in, which is sometimes, you know, all you can do is be the person who is there and provide people, um, you know, even if it's just a moment of hope and maybe you can't change everything, um, but you can be there for them or you can provide support in the moment and that can be monumental. Um, it may not be everything that you want it to be, um, but it can be amazingly supportive of an individual. Now, I hope, of course, that um, and believe that there are opportunities to move well beyond moment. Um, and certainly the way that we think about all the work that we're doing is well beyond that. But I definitely think that there are a variety of different ways that we can think about making impact. And we may not always see it right away. And we may not always, you know, see the person who we are necessarily impacting, especially in the way that we oftentimes, you know, work through things like technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I suspect that, uh, if you continue on the path you're on, uh, you're going to see more and more of your work manifest itself in results that, uh, you can be proud of. I, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's something I think we all struggle with and, um, you know, I'm, I'm increasingly uh, coming to the understanding that, um, you know, speaking about your domain of meaning and purpose, that you you don't discover meaning and purpose. You actually have to create it in whatever circumstance you're in. And I think that's, you know, part of the challenge of it. And, you know, part of the the outcome of it is the making of the meaning. So it's um but I think it's a great it's a great question. Um last question and, and I, I really want to thank you for spending so much time. I I I uh, and I, I just want to be respectful of the uh, time we agreed on. Um, what um, I asked this question of, um, well, I, two questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get them in there. I, I, I've got a whole bunch of questions. I'm, I'm trying to cut them out so we could get done on time here. Um, do you have, and, and if you don't, it's fine, but do you have a vision of what good looks like in healthcare, let's say five to 10 years from now, is there something that you see, even a piece of it that's not there now that would say, this is what good looks like? And you may not, I'm just curious. I'm, um, gosh, it's a, it's a big question. <laughs> um, yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> I have so many, there are so many thoughts going through my head. I'm not sure that I can, what was your, let's, let's start with, let me think a little bit on that. Um, what was your second question? <laughs> maybe, or maybe I'm just averting that's a really hard one. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. It's okay. Um, it's the end of the day. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, I totally understand. Um, the, the second one is one that I also like to ask um, the guests on this show, which is what was the best piece of advice you were ever given? Hmm. Gosh, I've gotten, I've been fortunate to have gotten a lot of, a lot of really good advice. Um, I think there's, there's one that is sort of, you know, it's going to sound very cliche, so I apologize, but be true to yourself, I think is, is one that, um, hmm. I think is really important. It's one that I sort of go back to, um, especially during times where maybe, mm -hmm. you know, you're feeling maybe a little more disheartened. <laughs> um, but it, but it really is about, you know, for me, it's probably about purpose, right? It's really about 
what do I want to achieve in my life? What's important to me? What matters? Um, who are the people that ultimately need me to be at my best self? Um, and, and what am I doing this for? Right. So that anchoring in um, my purpose and who I am as an individual uh, was really great. Not only advice, but but an opportunity that that, you know, I've had at various points in my life, which I really appreciated. I think I'm going to go back to, and I've shared this before. Um, I think one of the things that was really interesting to me was this idea that I just brought up a, a, a second ago, which was actually within the context of an earlier portion of my career before I decided to go into psychology, where someone had, you know, really um, brilliantly recommended that maybe I should volunteer somewhere um, before I, you know, decided to go into into this space. And so I volunteered at a women's and children's crisis center um, where, you know, I did some volunteer work and it was mostly, um, you know, first, first response after an event or an incident. And as you can imagine, you know, those are scenarios where um, there are just some very incredibly unfortunate situations that you're experiencing as a person. And I had lived a very sheltered life. And, and I think the first few times that I was exposed to that, I, I had a really strong emotional reaction to those things and felt really um, saddened, not only saddened, but also helpless um, in, in what I could do to, to support people who were going through, you know, these kinds of experiences. Um, and I had the great fortune of having somebody um, who was a supervisor at the time you know, say to me what I sort of alluded to earlier, which was, you know, in a situation where people are feeling despair and hopeless and they don't necessarily know what to do, you are there. You provide them with a contact and a connection and, you know, somebody who can be there. And just that presence um, is meaningful and important. And it may not, you know, be everything that we want it to be. And we may not be able to, you know, solve everything with that but it is impactful and it is meaningful. And so it's important to sort of anchor hmm. yourself on that, mm -hmm. right. Um, as well, yeah. so that you can't always do everything, but, you know, recognize that hmm. in the moment, um, you know, being there and being present can be a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just one that's always sort of stuck with me, particularly when I feel like, gosh, there's so much more that I, that I want to be able to do. Um, you know, uh, it sometimes is, is just good to kind of reflect back and say, you know, I'm doing everything that I can with the moments that I have. Um, so, and I think the, for, to your other question, cause I don't want to totally be, uh, <laughs> sidestepping it. <laughs> um, I would say, I think the pieces, and, and this is not a new concept, right? I think that the movements that I'm seeing within healthcare, I think, are things that you can imagine um, I get really excited about around really integrating the patient's experience, um, the way that people are, you know, integrated into the into the work that we do every day, really looking at the context of people's lives um, and what they're experiencing, not just within what we're treating, um, but also recognizing that there are potentially all these other things that are going on for people um, that we have an opportunity to be receptive and responsive to, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, I think those are things that I get really hopeful about with regards to the way that we're evolving healthcare. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, after hearing you talk and uh, I think the vision I have for healthcare and the five to five-year range, five to seven-year range is that um, it, it's got to be a healthcare that has well-being integrated into it, um, not as a side part, not as a referral, not as a icing on the cake, but actually an integrated part of how we think about healthcare and how we think about health in general. Yep. I think it would be very, very sad if that did not come to uh, fruition in, in the next few years. And so uh, I want to thank you for for you know, rounding out my vision for, uh, for healthcare. Cause I'm not sure I would have included that, uh, had I not had the opportunity to uh, speak with you and, and listen to you and learn from you. 
Yeah, well, thank you. And I, and I would just add to that. I think um, as you as you said that, it also reminded me of the fact that you know this is not just as we think about our patients. I think this is when I think about healthcare. I think about healthcare um, as the ecosystem, and that includes providers. It includes every person who is an integral part of that, right? So, um, because we also recognize, of course, and I have spent a lot of time thinking about the people who are delivering care are also people, right, who um, need to be supported. Um, so I think that's all part of the way that I think about, you know, bringing that perspective to the table. Yeah, it's interesting. We didn't even touch upon this whole issue of uh, provider burnout, which is, as you know, is huge. You know, half of uh, all providers, physicians, nurses, you know, PAs or, you know, have uh, some evidence of burnout. And in fact, it's, it's, uh, I'm actually giving a talk uh, in a couple of days uh, to a, a group of uh, physician executives and administrative leaders in healthcare. And it's about this issue of burnout. And um, so I, I think the, 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 you know, it's just a, another great uh, area where um, the whole topic of well-being needs to be applied to, yeah. right? It's, um, I mean, there are other aspects of it like workflow and workload for sure, but um, but the issue of well-being is to me front and center in, in any effort that we're going to uh, apply to uh, this really dire uh, situation of uh, the burnout that is just rampant uh, amongst uh, our, our clinical workforce. So, so uh, Rafaela, listen, I, I, I can't thank you enough for spending so much time uh, with me and with us today. Um, I've learned so much and, and, and also thank you for really being willing to, uh, you know, talk about yourself personally. I know that's not an easy thing to do and, and you've been so gracious about it and, uh, and, you know, uh, I think we've benefited from it. Um, and um, as always, I want to you know, thank our listeners. And, and as Rafael, you just pointed out, these are the people who are doing the hard work each and every day, not just physically, but uh, truly emotionally and, and, and cognitively that hard work. And so I just want to thank you and, and those who support uh, uh, you know, the frontline people who are delivering care. Um, and um, so one last comment and to the listeners, uh, I, I just want to also take a moment to uh, say that I appreciate the feedback. Uh, I've been getting more and more feedback through emails about this podcast, this podcast series. And I uh, just want to encourage you to, to continue to do that, to email me at my email address at zevnewworth at gmail.com. And that'll be on the uh, show notes uh, attached to the podcast. And also would appreciate you uh, sharing uh, this podcast with others that you you think would benefit uh, from it. So until uh, until next time, uh, be well. Thank you again, Rafaela. Thank you.